0: Chapter Twenty Two of The Maid of Scar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Maid of Scar by R. D. Blackmore. Chapter Twenty Two Another Disappointment highly pleased with these reflections what did i do but take a pipe and sit like a lord at my own doorway having sent poor bunny with a smack to bed because she had shown curiosity for this leading vice of the female race cannot be too soon discouraged but now i began to fear almost that it would be growing too dark very soon for me to see what became of the carriage returning with those two worships moreover i felt that i had no right to let them go so easily without even knowing sir philipson's surname name or what might be the especial craze which had led them to honour me so and sundry other considerations slowly prevailed over me until it would have gone sore with my mind to be kept in the dark concerning them so when heavy dusk of autumn drove in over the notch of sand-hills from the far away of sea and the green of grass was gone and you hardly could tell a boy from a girl among the children playing unless you knew their mothers i rejoicing in their pleasures quite forgot the justices for all our children have a way of letting out their liveliness such as makes old people feel a longing to be in with them not like Barty, of course, but still a satisfactory feeling, and the better my tobacco grew, the sweeter were my memories. Before I had courted my wife and my sweethearts, a dozen and a half perhaps, or at the outside say two dozen, anything more than twice a piece in the gentle cut of memory and with very quiet sighs indeed for echoes of great thumping ones and just as i wondered what execution a beautiful child with magnificent legs would do when i lay in the churchyard all of a heap i was fetched out of dreaming into common sense again there was the great yellow coach at the corner of the old grey wall that stopped the sand and all the village children left their hide-and-seek to whisper having fallen into a different mood from that of curiosity and longing only for peace just now or tender styles of going back went i into my own cottage hoping to hear them smack whip and away even my hand was on the bolt for a bolt i had now on account of the cats who understand every manner of latch wherever any fish be and perhaps it is a pity that i did not shoot it but there came three heavy knocks and i scarcely had time to unbutton my coat in proof of their great intrusion before i was forced to show my face and beg to know their business now Dio, dayo, dayo said that damned stew saving your presence i can't call him else this is a little too bad of you retiring ere dusk aha aha and how many hours after midnight will you keep your hornpipes up among the jolly sailors great davy i admire you i saw that it was not in his power to enter into my state of mind nor could i find any wit in his jokes supposing them to be meant for such well what did your worships think of Porthcall? i asked after setting the chairs again while i bustled about for my tinder-box did you happen to come across the man whose evil deeds are always being saddled upon me we found a respectable worthy scotchman whose name is alexander Macraw, and who told us more in about five minutes than we got out of you in an hour or more he has given us stronger reason to hope that we may be on the right track at last to explain a most painful mystery and relieve sir philip from the most cruel suspense and anxiety at these words of squire anthony the tall grey gentleman with the velvet coat bowed and would fain have spoken but feared perhaps that his voice would tremble Macraw thinks it highly probable justice stew continued That the ship, though doubtless a foreigner, may have touched on the opposite coast for supplies, after a long ocean voyage, and though Sir Philip has seen your boat and considers it quite a stranger, that proves nothing either way, as the boat, of course, would belong to the ship but one very simple and speedy way there is of settling the question you thought proper to conceal the fact that the coroner had committed to your charge as foreman of the jury and a precious jury it must have been so as to preserve near the spot in case of any inquiry the dress of the poor child washed ashore this will save us the journey to scar which in the dusk would be dangerous david llewellyn produced that dress under my authority that i will your worship with the greatest pleasure i am sure i would have told you all about it if i had only thought of it ahem was all squire stew's reply for a horribly suspicious man hates such downright honesty but without taking further notice of him i went to my locker of old black oak and thence i brought that upper garment something like a pinafore the sight of which had produced so strong an effect upon the coroner it was made of the very finest linen and perhaps had been meant for the child to wear in lieu of a frock in some hot climate as i brought this carefully up to the table squire stew cried light another candle just as if i kept the village shop this i might have done at one time if it had only happened to me at the proper period to marry the niece of the man that lived next door to the chapel where they dried the tea leaves she took a serious liking to me with my navy trousers on but i was fool enough to find fault with a little kink in her starboard eye i could have carried on such a trade with my knowledge of what people are and description of foreign climates however it was not to be and i had to buy my candles as soon as we made a fine strong light both the gentlemen came nigh and sir philip who had said so little even now forbore to speak i held the poor dress tattered by much beating on the points of rocks and as i unrolled it slowly he withdrew his long white hands lest we should remark their quivering you are not such fools as i thought said stew it is a coronet beyond doubt i can trace the lines and crossings though the threads are frayed a little and here in the corner a money ah you never saw that you stoops do you know the mark sir i do not sir philip answered and seemed unable to fetch more words and then like a strong man turned away to hide all disappointment even anthony stew had the manners to feel that here was a sorrow beyond his depth and he covered his sense of it like a gentleman by some petty talk with me and it made me almost respect him to find that he dropped all his banter as out of season but presently the tall grey gentleman recovered from his loss of hope and with a fine brave face regarded us and his voice was firm and very sweet it is not right for me to cause you pain by my anxieties and i fear that you will condemn me for dwelling upon them overmuch but you mr stew already know and you my friend have a right to know after your kind and ready help that it is not only the piteous loss of two little innocent children very dear ones both of them but also the loss of fair repute to an honourable family and the cruel suspicion cast upon a fine brave fellow who would scorn sir who would scorn for the wealth of all this kingdom to hurt the hair of a baby's head here sir philip's voice was choked with indignation more than sorrow and he sat down quickly and waved his hand as much as to say i am an old fool i had much better not pretend to talk And much as I longed to know all about it, of course it was not my place to ask. Exactly, my dear sir, exactly, Squire Anthony went on, for the sake of saying something. I understand you, my dear sir, and feel for you, and respect you greatly for your manly fortitude under this sad calamity. Trust in providence, my dear sir, as indeed I need not tell you. I will do my best, but this is now the seventh disappointment we have had. It would have been a heavy blow, of course, to have found the poor little fellow dead, but even that, with the recovery of the other, would have been better than this dark mystery, and above all would have freed the living from these maddening suspicions. But as it is, we must try to bear it and to say, God's will be done." but i am thinking too much about ourselves mr stew i am very ungrateful not to think more of your convenience you must be longing to be at home at your service sir philip quite at your service my time is entirely my own this was simply a bit of brag and i saw that he was beginning to fidget for bold as his worship was on the bench we knew that he was but a coward at board where mrs stew ruled with a rod of iron and now it was long past dinner-time even in the finest houses one thing more then before we go answered sir philip rising according to the newspaper and as i hear one young maiden was really saved from that disastrous shipwreck i wish we could have gone on to see her but i must return to-morrow morning having left many anxious hearts behind and to cross the sands in the dark they say is utterly impossible not at all sir philip said i very firmly for i honestly wish to go through with it although the sand is very deep there is no fear at all if one knows the track it is only the cowardice of these people ever since the sandstorm i would answer to take you in the darkest night if only i had ever learned to drive but anthony stew broke in with a smile it would grieve me to sit behind you, judio and i trow that sir philip would never behold appledore again there is nothing these sailors will not attempt although i could sit the bow thwart of a cart very well with a boy to drive me and had often advised the hand at the tiller and sometimes as much as held the whip all this to my diffidence seemed too little to warrant me in navigating a craft that carried two horses sir philip looked at me and perhaps he thought that i had not the cut of a coachman however all he said was this in spite of your kindness mr stew and your offer my good sir this was to me with much dignity i perceive that we must not think of it and of what use could it be except to add new troubles to old ones sir i have trespassed too much on your kindness in a minute i will follow you anthony stew being thus addressed was only too glad to skip into the carriage bye-bye dio he cried mend your ways if you can my man i think you have told fewer lies than usual knock off one every time of speaking and in ten years you will speak the truth of this low rubbish i took no heed any more than any one would who knows me especially as i beheld sir philip signalling with his purse to me so that stew might not be privy to it entering into the spirit of this i had some pleasant memories of gentlemanly actions done by the superior classes towards me but longer agone than i could have desired and now being out of the habit of it i showed some natural reluctance to begin again unless it were really worth my while sir philip understood my feelings and i rose in his esteem so that half guineas went back to his pocket and guineas took the place of them mr llewellyn i know he said that you have served your country well and it grieves me to think that on my account you have met with some harsh words to-day if your worship only knew how little a thing of that sort moves me when i think of the great injustice but i suppose it must be expected by a poor man such as i am Justice stew is spoiled by having so many rogues to deal with i always make allowance for him and of course i know that he likes to play with the lofty character i bear if i had his house and his rich estate but it does not matter after all what are we ah you may well say that llewellyn two months ago i could not have believed but who are we to find fault with the doings of our maker all will be right if we trust in him although it is devilish hard to do but that poor maid at that wretched place what is to become of her she has me to look after her your worship and she shall not starve while i have a penny bravely said llewellyn my son is a sailor and i understand them i know that i can trust you fully to take charge of a trifle for her i love the maid i answered truly i would sooner rob myself than her of course you would after saving her life i have not time to say much to you only take this trifle for the benefit of that poor thing from a red leathern bag he took out ten guineas and hastily plunged them into my hand not wishing stew to have knowledge of it but i was desirous that everybody should have the chance to be witness of it and so i held my hand quite open and just at that moment our bunny snored what have you children yourself llewellyn i thought that you were an old bachelor "'An ancient widower your worship with a little grandchild, "'and how to keep her to the mark with father none and mother none "'quite takes me off my head sometimes. "'Let me light your honour to your carriage. "'Not for a moment, if you please. "'I wish I had known all this before. "'Mr. Stew never told me a word of this.' "'It would have been strange if he had,' said I. "'He is always so bitter against me because he can never prove anything.' Then Llewellyn, you must oblige me. Spend this trifle on clothes and things for that little snorer. He gave me a little crisp affair, feeling like a child's call dried, and I thought it was no more than that. However, I touched my brow and thanked him as he went to the carriage steps. And after consulting all the village, I found it a stanch pledge from the government for no less than five pounds sterling. End of chapter 22